Good morning. Grace and peace to you. We'll uh, try to look at things from this side this morning rather than that side. Good to see you all this morning. Brother Jim, thank you for the songs. And I appreciate all those I can hear out there <coughs> who uh, have, uh, shall we say, ticklings in your throat. Uh, it's been with me for over three weeks now, so I'm not saying that's what you're going to have to endure, but uh, be prepared because it's just a nagging little thing. Acts 13.36, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. David served God and, and achieved the purposes of God in his life and in his generation. I'm studying about David in our Bible class. He was, of course, the king of Judah, then the king of all Israel. He subdued the enemies of Israel. He brought all the 12 tribes, if you will, together as one, and they, that's when they began to become a great nation and a great country, assembled the... Uh, the materials for the building of the temple. To him was given this great and marvelous covenant by God that through his descendants someone would always sit on his throne, which was the throne of the Lord. And the promise, of course, was for the Christ that he would come and reign forever. And then he fell asleep. Marvelous accomplishments by David, not without his sin, as we saw even last week, I believe it was. But I think we have all, sometime or another in our own lives, wondered, what is my purpose? Why am I here? From time to time we think about that. Sometimes when we are young and we're just starting out in life, as we would say, and, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Uh, where am I supposed to live? What am I to do? And then sometimes that pops up from time to time when things happen in our life and things aren't going well and we wonder, Am I not doing the right thing? <clears throat> Does God have something else he wants me to do? And then oftentimes when we get into our senior years, we think, well, there's nothing left for me to do. I'm getting uh, older. I run out of energy faster, and nobody wants to listen to me because I'm old, and I'm saggy, and nobody wants to look at me, and do I have any purpose? Well, let me reassure you, always have a purpose until you're placed in the ground. God has given us all certain abilities and skills, resources. He's put us in, in this life. He has given us life. He has made us. He has created us. He's brought us to life. We live in a certain place, in a certain time. We're in a certain family. And we need to recognize what God wants us to do. Uh, we talk about callings. You know, what, what am I called to do as a, as a person, as a human, with all my particular uh, personality and, and abilities and so forth. And, you know, we can run the gamut of things from welder to a manager, or lab technician. You know, we used to, used to say the doctor, the lawyer, the brain surgeon, truck driver, 
you know, just the domestic engineer mom who wants to just rear the children, wonderful and great uh, way to spend your life, give your life to God. But whatever it is, this calling needs to be to the glory of God. As we read in Colossians, whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of Christ or to God. You know, whether I'm out there uh, washing and waxing the car, digging the ditch, preparing the family meal, or making a budget for a company, needs to be to the glory of God. But we're going to talk about a calling this morning of which there's no greater calling. And it is none of those that we've mentioned. 2 Timothy 1, let's go there. And verse 8. And that calling is simply being a Christian. When I use that word simply, I don't mean to undercut the thought. If you are a Christian, you have accepted no greater calling on the face of this earth. There's nothing greater than for you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter you're the president of this nation, you're the prime minister of England, you're the greatest brain surgeon that ever walked. There is no greater calling than to be a Christian and to serve the Lord. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. 2 Timothy 1.8 Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, a set-apart calling, a calling that is very different from the world, a one that is above the world and separate from the world and is greater than anything else in the world, a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now it's been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. This calling, this holy calling, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in his fight against evil and against all that's wicked on this planet, and to rescue people from the grasp of Satan, from the prison that Satan has them all in, to rescue them from destruction and certain death. This is your calling. There's none greater. Sometimes we fall into the idea, and I'm going to mention this a couple other times later in the, in the lesson, that being a Christian is about being a churchy person. It's just all about church and religion. But it's not. It's about life. It's about truth. It's about what is really happening on this planet. Jesus came not simply to establish a church, but to establish a family, and as we've been studying, to establish an army 
that will fight against evil and help save people, help rescue people. We see all these movies these days about rescues and all these uh, TV programs about rescue, SWAT teams and so forth and so on, going in to rescue people who have been kidnapped or uh, the, uh, all these uh, stories about uh, those in the fires and, and the, uh, the firefighters go in and rescue people from buildings. Great and wonderful work. But as members of the church, as God's body, of God's army, we are given the task to rescue people from sin and from certain destruction in life. There's nothing greater. There's no greater calling than to do that. And we lose sight of that. We send it, as I said, just think about being a Christian is about being in church. And that isn't true. It's about living life as a soldier of Christ. Let's go to Ephesians 6. There's three things, three points we want to make. Why this is no greater calling, this holy calling. And the first one is there is no greater enemy. There is no greater enemy than that of the Christian. There's no greater enemy out there than the one who wants to bring down the world, destroy people's lives, and see them die forever in hell. That enemy is the devil and his dark forces. And we need to ever and always remember this. Ephesians 6.10 Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. How many times we've warned about schemes of the devil, the lies, the falsehoods, and we really need to learn to do that. To know the word of God inside and out, backwards and forwards, upside and downside. We need to know it or we'll be led astray and we'll not be effective warriors for God. We will end up just being pew sitters. God didn't come to make, Jesus didn't come to make pew sitters. He came to make soldiers. Put on the full armor of God. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Oh, let that sink in. Let it sink in. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What an array of evil that the devil has formed and brought together as his army his army, to destroy men and women on this planet, to keep them captive and cause them to lose their souls. This is what we fight against. Therefore take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. We're not going to look at the armor this morning. You can read on and read about that. We've had lessons on the armor. But there's enemies out there in the world, and we're going to mention a few here, the 
the drug traffickers, the human traffickers, the murderers, the rapists, the liars and the cheats, and on and on we go. They're evil leaders of countries who prey on weaker countries and nations. We see that in the news all the time. The purveyors of philosophies of men and false religions are out there. There's new ones popping up all the time. Understand and be sure that the devil and these dark forces are behind all of these people. All of them. That's where all this wickedness comes from. These things should get us stirred up, you know. They really should. They should make us angry. Our indignation should start to, to cause us to shake a little bit. That the devil really wants to destroy everybody. He wants to destroy everybody in your family, you know that? Your kids. He's just waiting for the opportunity. He wants to destroy your wife. He wants to destroy your husband. He's just waiting. That's what he is. That should anger you. It should make you want to fight, to be prepared, to be ready. But he lulls us to sleep. Oh, it's just about church. It's just about coming here on Sunday. That's all it is. What a lie. He's a perpetrator of lies. It's a spiritual battle being waged for the hearts and souls of men and women. And we need to remember this. First Peter chapter 5. Quick look here at the devil. First Peter 5.8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Be on the alert. How many of us when we get up in the morning are on the alert? How many of us, when we go out the door in the morning to go to work, are we on the alert that the devil's waiting? Some way, somehow, some even some little thing just to get under your skin and ruin your day, cause you to miss an opportunity, cause you to hurt somebody. That's what he does, and he's good at it, real good. Be on the alert, your adversary, your adversary, the devil. He is your enemy. He is real. He is a being. And he hates you. He despises you. Especially if you wear the name Christian. Yes, he does. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You see? He doesn't care. When I was reading this, I was thinking about those films we've all seen uh, about the lions hunting in Africa, chasing down the uh, herd of zebra. And which of the ones of that herd is usually caught? It's the weak ones or maybe the young ones and the stragglers. And the lion brings them down. That's the devil. Just waiting for a, a weak moment. The weak person. You know, this is an, another reason you know, we have elders in the church to go bring back the weak and keep them close. Because the devil, he, he pulls them off. He, he cuts them off one by one. One by one. 
what he does. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We can resist him with the help of Christ. We can resist. We cannot sin. We can fight against it. And that's another reason to be on the alert. Be ready. Know the word. Be prepared. I've got some adjectives here I have for the devil. He's bold. He's vicious. He's slick and slimy. He's unrelenting. And he's deadly. The sufferings we experience are all the result of what happened way back in the garden and the devil deceived Eve and she ate and so did Adam. The struggles with temptations is kind of suggested here. Struggling against sin, struggling against temptation is a, is a, is a, uh, a way of suffering. If anybody has really been caught up in something and you know you shouldn't do it. And you've had that internal struggle of, i got to stop this. You know what I'm talking about. When you're fighting on the inside about making a choice for what is right. But you feel this great pull on the other side to go ahead and do something that you know is not right. That, that is a persecution of the devil. Because he's on the other side trying to get you to do what's wrong, to go against your conscience, to go against what you know in your mind is the right thing to do. Oh, and he loves to torment us with those things. You know that? Yes, he does. Of course, there's other persecutions as well. The, you know, the folks that have lost everything. You know, I think of, the, again, those in the Middle East. Those who have lost homes and even loved ones those in jail because of Islamic extremists. It's happened at other times in the world. And then there's devastating losses, you know, the, whether it's, you know, we're just talking here this morning and, you know, our hearts go out, those who have passed on. Death. The devil's behind it. He brought it about through the temptation of Eve. You have to see that. And all the losses we experience, broken homes, broken marriages, it's all the devil. It should make us mad. It should get us stirred up. What can we do? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. There's no greater enemy behind all the suffering and heartache in the world than the devil. That's why our calling, there's no greater calling to fight against him. Our second thought, let's go to Colossians 1. There's no greater cause. No greater cause. Let's read this. Colossians 1.13. For he, meaning Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, uh, speaking of God the Father, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. 
There's no greater cause than to bring people out of the domain of darkness. That's Satan's darkness. That's the, uh, the prisons that he holds people in through lies and all other forms of oppression, temptation, sin. There's no greater cause than rescuing people from the grasp of Satan. There just is not. Once again, this idea of salvation has become a churchy word. Salvation, oh, that's a religious thing. Oh, yeah, I'm saved. What do you save from? What do you save from? You ever pause to ask yourself that question? You are being saved ultimately from eternal destruction and separation from God. That's the salvation that Christ brings. Yeah, we're saved from sin, we're saved from this and that. That is ultimately what it is, and that's what we have to see. When we're talking about the gospel, bringing a gospel to people, we're talking about saving them from eternal death, saving them from the grip of Satan. That's what this is about. It's not about some churchy thing here in the baptistry. That's just the start. It's about getting into Christ and serving Him. Notice there's two kingdoms, two domains. There's one of darkness. That's the devil's. Lots of darkness there. Lots of evil. No hope. Lies. Confusion. Nobody knows what's really real. And there's the kingdom of the son of his love. The kingdom of light and hope and forgiveness and help in the future. And there's only two. That's all there is. And as Christians, we're trying to get people out of, the, out of the darkness into the light. They might be saved from the wrath to come. If you're a Christian, this is your calling. This is your calling, a holy calling, to proclaim the glories of Christ and the gospel, that people can be free from sin, free from death, free from the power of Satan, and have a future. There's no greater cause than that. There isn't. We have to see that. Matthew 28, 18. You know, we always go here and talk about evangelism. We'll read it. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Once again, we, we tend to see this as some kind of churchy thing. Make disciples. Make followers. But this isn't really about religion. This is about enlisting followers of Christ to serve so that he'll have people who can proclaim this message to help rescue people from the domain of darkness 
there's a very simple uh, progression here. And it ones we one we sometimes forget. We make a disciple, we grow a disciple, and those disciples are to become disciple makers. That's the progression. That's what it's supposed to be. Very simple. We sometimes forget the last one. Jesus is enlisting people to take the good news out there and say you can be free from sin. You can be free from the power of the devil. You can have a life and a future and you don't have to worry about dying the second death. That's what this is about. It's not about putting people in the pews. It's about rescuing people from the grasp of Satan and giving them a future, giving them hope. There's no greater cause on the whole planet. It's why Jesus came, isn't it? It's why Jesus came, to seek and save, his, save the lost and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. He didn't, came just, he didn't come just so we could sit in a church building on Sundays. He came so we could go out with a message to rescue people. To save their soul. 2 Corinthians 10. It's a different kind of warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. Don prayed about that. We've seen we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, so we don't have a gun cabinet stocked up and hand grenades and a tank sitting in our backyard. That's not us. It's a different warfare. But there are weapons that we need, and in particular one. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It takes us right back to Ephesians 6, doesn't it? We do not fight against flesh and blood. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Right there it is. It's not of the flesh. That's not what we fight with. But divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What fortresses, Paul? Are we talking again about huge sandstone walls somewhere? They need to be overcome or knocked down. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. There's where we begin. Everything out there that is against God, all the lies. No, there is no God. Oh, there's many gods. Oh, you can take God or leave God. If there is a God, why is there so much suffering and death in the world? We have to be prepared to answer that question. You need to know the answer to that. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's in the mind and in the heart. What is the truth 
what do you believe, what do you know, what is the reality of life, and to destroy all those false arguments in people's minds and hearts against God. This I think we've done a poor job on. We don't know how to argue for Christ. We don't know the word well enough. And we're afraid to engage. But this is why we're called to do these things. To help save people. Bring them out from the darkness into the light of Christ. This is our calling. There's no greater cause than to bring people to Christ. Our last thought. 1 Timothy 6. There's no greater enemy than the devil. There's no greater cause than saving, helping men and women come to Christ and save their souls. Give them life. Bring them out of the grasp of Satan and into the, the loving arms of Jesus. There's no greater cause than that. I don't care if you are, and I'm, I'm not disparaging, you know, our, our first responders, they do a great and wonderful job. But what we always have to remember is this. Whenever they bring somebody out of the burning building or rescue somebody that's been kidnapped or in one of these school buildings where they're shooters, the only thing they do is prolong life. We say they save lives, but they're only saved for a temporary time. Christians are engaged in saving souls for eternity, a true saving of souls. We have to remember that. That's what this is about. Lastly, you can guess it, there's no greater master. There's no greater master to serve, no greater Lord to bow down to, no greater leader to follow than Jesus Christ. There's not. I don't care who he is. I don't care who she is. There's none greater. He's alive. He's well right now. He's on the throne. He's here with us. We have to remember that closeness of Christ Jesus. He is a real person. He's still alive. You should be walking with him. You should be talking with him every day. You should be reading his book. You should be asking him, Lord, what should I do? Believe me, he wants to help you. He wants to help you in your fight. Not only your fight for yourself, but your fight for your family, your neighbors, your friends, and your co-workers. He does, and he can do it. But you have to ask him. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He's writing to Timothy, the young evangelist. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate 
that you keep the commandment without stain of reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the devil started this way back in the garden. But someday Jesus is going to end it. He's going to come back. He is. He's promised that. And he cannot lie. And it's going to be over. And the rewards will be passed out. Which he will bring about at the proper time as God has chosen. Now listen. He who is the blessed only sovereign. He's the only sovereign God over everything. There is no other. I don't care what country you're in. There is no other God than this God in this book. None. They're all fabrications of men made up in somebody's mind. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Those are the words of God. It's overall. Nations, countries, anyone who would call himself Lord, such as in drug Lord, he's over them. Don't matter. Who alone possesses immortality, that should cause us to think. He's waiting to pass that out to us. We don't have it yet. Dwells in unapproachable light. We've been talking about the light. Who no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. There is no greater leader to serve than the Lord Jesus. No greater king. No greater master. No greater calling. We fight against the greatest enemy for the greatest cause for the greatest Lord. When we obey the gospel, we take a stand with Jesus. We say the devil will not come into my house nor into my life. And I will serve him in the, this fight against evil to help rescue others. That's what you're really saying. And when a Christian couple is married, they're taking a stand together with Jesus. The devil will not come into our house or into our lives or into our children's lives. And we will serve together in this fight with Jesus against evil. No greater calling. Are you on the Lord's side this morning? Are you His? Are you in this fight? I mean, I'm serious. Are you in this fight? Or are you just kind of skipping down the path? It's everywhere. We have to take it seriously. There's no greater calling than to serve the Lord and to help bring others to Him. Are you Christian? We can help you this morning if you're ready to obey the gospel, to come to the light, to come into the kingdom of the Son of His love, and be able to tell others what Christ has done for you. 
to save your soul and to bless you. If you are a Christian, you've just been kind of ho-hum and just walking along sniffing the flowers and you've not been engaged, you really need to rethink your walk with Jesus. If you'd like prayer this morning, we can assist you with that. If you want to come, please come while we stand and sing.